0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the DMN one-on-one podcast. I'm Chris Wood, associate editor of DMN, here today with Ari Paparo. CEO of Media Buying Platform, Beeswax. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me, Chris. And uh, today we were going to talk about optimization, and um, from an ad tech perspective, it's uh, pretty uh, into the weeds a little bit for our audience. We're marketing tech, uh, and there are a lot of different interests, but I think it also kind of plays into uh, this overall theme in marketing of using data to optimize, to increase that connection between investment and uh, revenue. ROI. So I think there's a lot here uh, for us to uh, discuss. From your perspective, would you want to go into your background a little bit?
1: Sure. So I'll give
0: a quick s- background. So
1: I've been doing ad tech for 15 years. Uh, I was originally at DoubleClick through the acquisition by Google. I was a head of product management for AppNexus. Uh, I founded Beeswax about five years ago with some other fellows from Google. And what we're doing is creating a media buying platform, programmatic buying, Uh, that is highly customizable, so our customers can alter and control really core things about the bidding stack, including most notably the optimization. We call it Bring Your Own Algorithm, BYOA, and I'll be happy to talk more about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, and then this is kind of linked also maybe into uh, kind of the trend for in-housing. The buying process, right? It is related to in housing. So, as marketers think about
1: in housing, they get more control over what they're buying, and with more control and more uh, visibility into what works and what doesn't, they want to they want to use that control and uh, to get better results. And so, um, inevitably, in housing gives folks the tools they gives people all well, the. Uh, data that that lets them understand what's going on, which then result in them wanting and getting more control over why they're bidding on what they're bidding.
0: It gives them a little bit more of the steering wheel control. Exactly. And, And so in terms of optimization from an ad budget standpoint, this is spending... You know, getting the most bang for your buck. Yeah, uh, let me talk a little bit about optimization. Try to put it in perspective. Uh,
1: optimization as a concept exists in most stacks, MarsTech, AdStack, etc. But the scope of optimization may be very different. So, for example, if you think about landing page optimization as a as a category, not not what we offer at all, um, the uh, the problem set is how do we uh, how do how do we take a certain number of fixed assets and mix and match them such that the consumer does an activity such as filling out a form, right? So the optimization is within sort of a closed number of variables, pretty pretty straightforward kind of problem. Um, In ad tech, where you're buying advertising on sort of any site, any mobile device out there in the world, the scope is almost unlimited, it's virtually unlimited. You can never buy all the ads in the world. Um, And so it's a very different kind of problem. You have an infinite number of permutations, you have a very open-ended problem, how much should I pay, what should I buy, should I buy, should I not buy, what creative should I use? Uh, And the permutations are in the billions and trillions. Uh, And so it lends itself to a different kind of technical problem and a different
0: kind of solution so if you're in the bidding process then Mm -hmm. creative is kind of left to someone else, or is that factored into the process? Well,
1: creatives exactly. is a
0: huge impact on results. Uh right. I, numbers, I think I just saw a Nielsen study saying it was
1: almost two thirds of results are due to creatives. Um, so, um, so good marketers are bringing their best game to creative in terms of testing, in terms of bringing technology like uh, DCO, Dynamic Creative Optimization, sure. et cetera. Uh, my company doesn't offer those solutions. We are optimizing within the scope of a creative that already exists. Right. Uh, just because We're in a different part of the stack. Um, But certainly, creative is is incredibly important to optimization.
0: So, is that a process that comes in through like first, it's the creative optimized, and then you're ready to start bidding.
1: Yeah, generally. The two, the two optimizations are generally separate. Um, a, lot of, a lot of folks in the market will, will think that if the two were combined, we'd have a more optimal solution. That may be true, but I think that um, the effort of having your bidding and your creative totally synced is pretty significant, and there are very few vendors that do both of those things well. So most marketers have, have sort of settled on optimizing those two things independently.
0: As things get more optimized and you're putting different inventory together, right. uh, how does the perspective change for the publishers about like the content that they have and the inventory that they have? Right. There, well, is there some blurring of the lines? When you're talking it's about publishers, they want they obviously want as much demand as possible to flow
1: into them. Uh, right. I, I often get asked by publishers how they make their inventory more attractive, how they get, right. how they get more uh, buyers and it's largely a hygiene question Um, so publishers who have clean data feeds about what what categories they're in, what domains they're in, hopefully uh, a user identifier that's easily used, um, those things contribute enormously to publisher revenue. Having fewer ads on the page and better placements that are more viewable above the fold, all these things are, are blocking and tackling but they're what matters. There's not that much publishers can do to try to juice their results Magically, it's really it's really the basics in making sure that they're lined up and uh, executed properly. And so it's about their audience, their eyeballs, right? Well, they have. just so uh, obviously, more valuable audience or more more intent on your page matters. Um, but largely, those are decisions that have been made a long time ago. So either if you're a publisher, either you're writing about let's say a high value category like how to buy a car, or you're not, and and that's not something you can change very easily. Um, so um, so the publisher within within their current. Uh, editorial within their current audience can optimize a little bit to make it friendlier to advertising, better results, etc. But it's hard to radically shift, you know, the genuine value of your property.
0: So then, on the buyer side, um, what what kind of strides have been made in terms of optimizing their spend? Yeah, so
1: there's really two approaches to optimization broadly. Uh, I would call them black box and transparent. Um, and they're some, sometimes good uh, for, e- each is good for different kinds of advertisers and different kinds of scenarios. The black box approach would be something that you might see from a walled garden like a Google or a Facebook, where uh, effectively uh, they have algorithms based on machine learning. And as an advertiser, you tell them roughly what you want. I want people to install my app, or I want someone to visit my homepage and um somehow magically that happens and you pay them uh and that works. no questions asked no questions asked uh and that's that's very effective um and relatively low overhead for the marketer um the uh, in on the other side of the spectrum where i think Beeswax sits, as well as some other companies, is open and transparent where we're, we say to the marketer or their, their agency, um, we're going to let you pull the, pull the levers, turn the wheel, figure out what works and doesn't for your audience, um, and, uh, and that tends to both get better results in the long term because every marketer is different and a machine learning is going to be sort of the average across many thousands. Um, and secondly, it gives a lot more transparency as to why things are working, which can then inform all kinds of other activities within the smart marketing organization. So you learn that uh, that your ads are performing better at uh, two in the morning, and guess what? It's a sleeping pill. And then you say, "Oh, okay, maybe we should move our TV to be later in the day, and maybe we should be uh, doing other things that are promotional late at night." Uh, it's just a stupid example, but maybe it kind of. But, uh, it explains what I'm getting at. Yeah,
0: sure. And you bring up a good point about the omni-channel right. kind of a, approach. And um, so, I mean, how much of this is about you know uh, web properties, right. and how much of it is.
1: Well, I like to say, uh, to, to crib off uh, Andres and Horowitz, uh, programmatic is eating the world. So all advertising is becoming programmatic, uh, and it's gone from just in a matter of less than a decade. It's gone from a, a programmatic used to be the solution for remnant inventory on, on websites who couldn't sell it otherwise, and now virtually all of digital is programmatic, all, virtually all of mobile is is programmatic, and TV is increasingly becoming programmatic as well as out-of-home and, and audio and, and the next and the next thing. So, um, so, by its nature, this programmatic methods and thinking is going to uh, increase its proportion of the marketer's overall spend, and it informs things like earned media, um, PR, social, etc.
0: I mean, I was talking about that with Guido on the PR side, mm-hmm. uh, just how um, it's all part of a larger package. Right. Um, is that also an advantage for um, having this in-house?
1: Yeah. I, the thing that I hear the most from uh, customers of ours, but also just generally folks who have in-house uh, programmatic, is the learning and response time is one of the most uh, biggest differences. Um, when a customer is either using an agency or using a black box type activity, they just don't get as much learning. It's sort of set it and forget it, or get some feedback on an ad hoc basis. Um, when when a customer has dedicated staff that is responsible for getting results, they have an intensity about the data that is different. They're where every single day they're looking, they're learning, they're saying this works, this doesn't work, this is this used to work and is now declining why is that and that kind of um, war room approach really uh, just raises the bar on what's expected out of the marketing organization and kind of has a cultural change on how how folks approach the overall problem of acquiring customers
0: is it changing how they measure the return
1: Um, well I I think that um, I think that in general digital has moved from what you might call vanity metrics like click-through rates or email opens or things like that to deeper KPIs like return on ad spend or offline transactions, et cetera. Um, And certainly it's easier to um, and more transparent to look at those deeper uh, metrics if you have control over all the data. Uh, so, if you're using a platform that is more uniform and the same across customers, bringing in, a, uh, bringing in your own attribution may not be possible. You may not be able to look at the raw data and figure out what is driving results or you may be limited in how you can do that. Um, so we believe that having raw access to data and also control over bidding gives you um, a lot of the capabilities to look at those deeper KPIs instead of being stuck with vanity metrics.
0: Um, so is it empowering the customer to uh, better understand their data, or yeah. how does that side of it work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, to give to give some examples, um, in the mobile world this is an interesting example. So if you're a mobile install-based uh, uh, marketer and um, and you're using traditional attribution vendors, they give preferential treatment to the big walled gardens. They have actually contracts with the walled gardens to give them the more credit than you'll get from any other source. And everyone knows this is a scam where, uh, where uh, the marketers are not getting fair attribution across channels, but there's nothing that you can do about it because the big guys demand it. Um, if you have the raw data and you can see every conversion that happened uh, and then you can see all the ads you bought, you can make your own determination about what gets credit and what doesn't even if uh, your partners are, are tipping the scales in favor of some other companies.
0: What about uh, ad fraud in the current landscape?
1: Yeah, I mean, ad fraud is, um, is certainly a hot-button issue. It's, you know, I think to start with, let's just say ad fraud has been on decline for several years. Okay. It's been a pretty good cleanup going on. It makes headlines because it's because obviously no one likes fraud, but um, but it's becoming less and less of an issue, I think, in the industry as in general. Um, once again, looking at raw data is how you often can find patterns, and there may be things that are anomalies that aren't necessarily fraud. To, to give one example, I think we've all been on sites that have um, that have. Um, uh, carousels of images uh, where you just very quickly look through top 50 cutest dogs or something and you hit click, click, next, 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 next. Um, sometimes you look at the raw data and you find oh wow, I just bought 40 ads in the space of three and a half seconds. Okay. Yeah. So that's the exact same user. Yeah. <laughs> Is that fraud? <laughs> it's not fraud. It's just a really bad way to spend your media dollars. right? And, and looking at the raw data will tell you that in a way that aggregated reporting never will.
0: Would you be able to run down some of the important factors in optimization?
1: Sure. So, uh, when you're talking about optimization, like I said earlier, in a different sense, you're mm-hmm. trying to get results in a in a problem set, uh, and um, and so the results vary per advertiser. So, um, CPA, cost per acquisition, is of course a uh, widely used uh, KPI, especially among commerce vendors. CPI, cost per install, uh, is also big among mobile-oriented advertisers, although CPI can often be flawed because there is an opportunity for fraudulent folks to just install the ads over and over, apps over and over again. So you uh, level deeper as ROAS, return on ad spend, where you're looking not just at did someone take an action like install a game, let's say, but then did they actually deposit real money into their account or buy tokens or something like that in the gaming space um, for uh, a retailer or for, a, um, for let's say, an automotive brand, they may track actual visits to the dealership or actual visits to the store, and other vendors may do that. So there's a lot of different KPIs that a marketer may choose to optimize for, and some of them are easy to measure and some of them are really hard. Unfortunately, the, that doesn't correlate exactly with the value. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what's really going on.
0: So I mean, certainly that makes sense going deeper with like retailers, mm. um, but like for more general like brand campaigns, do you mm. find that that's more? Uh,
1: I, I think branded, branding remains difficult to measure, no, no different from every other medium in the history of the world. Uh, yeah, it's still around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically you're measuring what's happening inside people's brains uh, and that's very difficult. <laughs> uh, so, um, So in the digital space, Branding is often using uh, proxy metrics like viewability or time viewed. We have a customer who optimizes to maximize the amount of viewable time of their ads. Uh, So not just percentage viewability, but actual seconds. Viewable, where they have some evidence that crossing a certain threshold of seconds results in store visits or brand awareness. From their
0: side, they've come to the table. They've come to the table,
1: yeah. Um, So, so that's an example. There are also, of course, surveys that people use, uh, brand impact surveys, etc. So that's uh, that's been part of the marketer toolkit for some time. Yeah,
0: I mean, how about brands with their own content that they're pulling viewers over to to get them into some kind of a funnel
1: sure yeah I, I think that um, brands are always challenged getting consumers to interact with them you know it's hard to get a consumer to want to interact with uh, ketchup or a, a solid dressing sure. right uh, but if you can get that consumer to download a recipe or interact with a recipe site that features it that kind of gets you a step closer to um, some intent uh, and uh, and you know you, you do what you can in an environment where things are natural Really hard to measure.
0: Yeah, because I'm just thinking the way that you describe this landscape that it's it's tailored more for like the retail and, and the purchase. Well,
1: when you talk about optimization, those are the harder problems. Okay. Right? So you have billions or trillions of available ad impressions, and you want to find the ones that will actually get a consumer to actually change their behavior incrementally so they wouldn't have done it if they hadn't seen the ad and go to your store or buy your product. That's a, that is a hard problem, and it's hard to measure and it's hard to execute against right um, so, so those are the ones that are often a, a real subject of conversation. If you're buying video ads and you have a, a general demographic and your KPI is that you reach a certain number of people in a certain demographic and they view the ad, that's an that's a optimization problem as well, but it's not nearly as difficult right from a technical point. Mm-hmm. of right.
0: Um, do you find uh, just with increased technological capability, bandwidth, um, how how is the technology kind of changing the landscape? Sure. In uh, terms of gathering more data, making more sense of the data, AI. To yeah,
1: structure. we have we have a really um, counterintuitive point of view on this, and I think I mentioned this earlier with the black box versus sure. open. Um, so if you talk to one of the big Silicon Valley tech companies, what they'll say is we have more data than anybody else, so we know more. We have machine learning, and we get the best results, and no one can ever possibly compete with us. Um, and it's a good point of view. Um, what we've found is there's two problems with that point of view. Number one is effectively what they're also saying is we use your data for your competitors. Uh, they would never say that. But that's really a direct implication of saying we have the most data because that, where does that data come from? It comes from you and it is used on behalf of all of their advertisers. It's effectively a data co-op even though they would never call it that. Um, so that's a that's a pretty interesting uh, choice you have to make as a marketer if you're going to give one of these big tech platforms your, uh, your real insights about what works and what doesn't for your product category because inevitably um, the, the machine learning will learn on behalf of your competitors and similar companies and startups who are competing with you and want to eat your lunch. So that's the first general uh, point. The second general point I would make is that... Um, We've actually found, and this is where it's very counterintuitive, that not having as much data, but having more control can get you just as good or better results. Um, So the... um, the, if, you, if you think about every marketer as sort of a snowflake that's different and that, uh, and that even if two companies are both in e-commerce and both selling a product, if the products are pretty different and their consumers are pretty different, the learning from one to the other may not be as meaningful as some people would have you believe and the intuition and uh, human element actually gets you to the results a lot faster.
0: All the more reason to keep control of your own data. Uh, keep it from the competitor and also just to better know your own business. I could have said it better myself. Well, uh, I'm glad that you did uh, join (laughs) us today uh, to give your thoughts and share your experience. Uh, Thanks a lot. It was great having you here, Ari. Of course. Thanks
1: for having me.
0: And uh, feel free everybody, uh, thanks for listening and uh, check out dmnews.com for more data, strategy, and technology. Thanks for listening.